everyone. How's everyone doing today? I am Wanda, also known as Outcast, as I talk to Outcast. Can y'all hear me? Okay. Y'all can see the little broken ass sound thing. I have my fan on. I'm in New York. It is Saturday, October 12th. I'm sorry, November 12th, 2022, and it is 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And from my bio, you already know that I've been working for a university for 32 years. And I just have um, some information, whether you're a parent with a student already in college, or if you are a student potentially going to college soon, whether that be grad school or undergrad, whatever the case may be. But I want to talk to you about what um, what what are dorms and residence halls? Some people call them dorms. I call them residence halls. What are those? Um, uh, and what's the difference between, you know, colleges, state colleges, or private university? Um, one of the differences is that uh, in some cases, Depending on the, dip, the the number of students, you know, the body, how many students are there, it can be run differently. Um, other universities have um, students where, you know, a particular department, let's say like residence life, residential life, which is the people who are professionals in psychology, who are professionals in learning the functionality of being a student and outside your home. I mean, the idea of having dorms and colleges initially was so that you can transition from living from your home with your parents and learning how to live on your own and you're still, you know, and also timing. You know, when you're in higher education, you're you're spending countless of hours in the library, you know, and you should be around your student peers that are in your classrooms because this will give you the opportunity to, you know, once you leave classes, that you're still having conversations based on what you learned that day. And what other students see and their perspective that's the idea of living in a dorm or a, what some people call a residence hall. So I'm going to let you know for the 32 years that I've experienced um, some differences, the pros and cons, what to look for um, when you're looking for uh, a higher, you know, looking for a college for your student or for yourself as a student. Um, even for grad school, um, people you know, get caught up with wanting to learn or master something and they don't take in consideration the location, you know, because this is the school that has what you want to fulfill. So you have to think about those things. You have to think about, you know, the cost. There's always going to be the cost for a lot of people. Well, how much is it going to cost me? After that, um, what options do you have? There are colleges that do not have 
special accommodations for you. There are colleges that may not have housing available for you, depending on the program. So just because a university is large, you know, you may think, that's another thing. I, I find it interesting that people, when people call, they're like, oh, I'm looking for the housing office. Um, this particular university has maybe four to five different housing offices, depending on the program that you're applying for. So that's something that you need to do your homework and research before you even decide to go to, before you even decide to go to any college. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just getting messages. <laughs> um, how's everyone doing? Good morning. Hello, Billy Dees, Orion, Sister Crystal, how are you? And Robert, thank you, thank you for joining me today. I'm just going to go ahead um, and talk a little bit about, because these are, these are not conversations that I don't think people are having when it comes to, you know, what to look for. I know that parents, um, sometimes they have their high school, you know, create, I know high schools um, sometimes have representatives or parent representatives that assist parents in helping their students or helping the parents in looking for a good college. You know, they do the college tours and all. But I wouldn't, I would not necessarily do this on the high school level. I think parents, if you're really interested in having your children go to college, I think you should, to be honest with you, you should really start when they are 11 years old. Between 11 and 12, you and your students should start doing your homework because college is very expensive. It is, it, it's tremendously expensive, and it's not run like it used to be. It's run as a business now. So tuition is one thing, and everything else, which probably costs more, is something else. So, for example, tuition can be $4,000, right, a semester or $2,000, but room and board and health care and all of that other additional fees can be $20,000. So it's it's really run as a business at this point, in my opinion. Not necessarily, you know, but students who leave home to go to school and learn, they're actually learning how to acclimate to be independent and be on their own. But the purpose of this talk really is to let you know what to expect in some colleges that you may think um, should be advocating for you because you're not only paying the universities, but you know, you're know you learning how to advocate for yourself, right? Ultimately, that's why people go to higher education to learn um, the, the how the system works, the social construct, and how, how to function after you've obtained your degree. So when looking into a college, fine, you got to accept it. You know where you're going to go. What I want people to do, and as again, when I do these talks, I assign you an assignment. Whether you're the neighbor, the aunt, the uncle, the godparent, 
the student, the parent, whoever you are in your life, you always are going to know someone who is going to college. Many times, family members don't discuss, don't have a family group meeting about their child going to college. Some people think that that's a very private and personal information, but I believe that we should all have the conversation as a unit because for me, in my opinion, ultimately you want your student to really come back to your community and help pay it forward so that the next person can go ahead and and do the same and then do the, you know, it's it's like a cycle of, okay, so now this person is going to come and go to college, and then let's see what they can bring back, and bring back healthy information to educate the community. Listen, this is how the system works. This is what we're going to do moving forward as a family unit, and this is where we're going to go with it. I think that's so important. So knowing, knowing that you've been accepted already to the college, whether that's your student, yourself, or whoever you know that's going to college, find out what the policies and procedures are, right, as far as the assignments. So is it, is it guaranteed housing? Sometimes the option is that you're guaranteed maybe a portion of the time, depending on how you're coming in or your eligibility requirements, right? So you need to find out if that student, your student, whoever it is that's accepted to the school is going to have housing for their duration there, guaranteed housing. Find out, um, do they accept family? So you're going to grad school, and you are the one supporting or your husband is supporting or your wife is supporting you, you know, do they have family housing available? And in many cases, that doesn't, that's not the case. Um, In many universities, they do not have family housing, Um, which is kind of interesting at this point because uh, in 1990, when I started working at the university where I work at, they did have family housing available. This was in 1990. And I'm thinking, wow, when did that change and why? Why is marriage or family unit not something that's um, seen as important? Is it because the university loses more money? Like, what is that all about? Because ultimately, you are paying, right? It's not like housing room and board is free. You're still paying, right? So... 32 years, I'm thinking, when did that change and why? Why why did I not know that? And you have to look into that because we have people who are international who get married at 17, 18, 19. So how is that not an option in the United States in many colleges? You know? And what happens if, let's say, you build a family while you're in college, when you turn 20 or 21? It's legal to get married, right? You don't need a parent's consent. 
So why is that? Why is that not an option in many places? Um, so think about that. I just lost my notes on them. So the policies and the procedures based on eligibility and the requirements for that, you know, um, find out how the assignment system works. So let's say you are a Sabbath observer. What does that look like for your student or for yourself as a Sabbath observer? Do you have those accommodations? Hello, do you have those accommodations? Uh, transportation, you know, is transportation feasible? Am I able to get to my child within an hour or two? When my daughter told me she wanted the youngest one, when she told me she wanted to go to California for school, unfortunately, I at that time, because, again, I started talking about college with my daughters when they were in junior high school, which was 11, 12 years old. And the youngest one, she was, like, insistent, California, California. She wanted to go to the West Coast. And that was a conversation that we had to have as a family together because, to be honest with you, if, if there's an emergency, sort of like COVID, right, how fast can I get to my child? I'm in the East Coast in New York, and she wants to go to California. How fast can I travel? How much is it going to cost me just to travel or have her travel back and forth? Is she going to decide to just, once she gets accepted to a school in California, is she going to want to stay there after she graduates? What does that look like? And those are the things that we had to do. We had to do the pros and cons. And quite frankly, I'm glad that we ended up doing it the way we did it because she, I didn't have to pay a dime for her school. If she had decided to go to California, we would have still been in debt paying um, loans or whatever, not only for the tuition, but for room and board, taxes, and transportation, or storage. Who's going to bring back and forth her stuff, you know, her books or whatever it is that you need? Because that's another topic in itself, what to bring and what not to bring for uh, dorms. But so have that conversation collectively with your family and and look at look what happened with covid in new york state that was catastrophe because why when that happened the university shut down and guess what 85% of the student body was on spring break they weren't even here so the university shuts down now everybody has to pull and shove to get their stuff out of their dorm room. And and how did we do it? I, it? It was chaotic because now these people had to pay money to have their stuff removed out of the university dorm. So one, when you when you already got accepted to school or even before. Think about the policies and procedures on eligibility. 
what what is um, available to you based on your status with that university. Do you have guaranteed housing? If you do, how long is it? Do you have um, family housing? And if you do, how much does it cost? Does it cost more? Do you get a full apartment, fully furnished? What does that look like? And if they don't, what do you do if you go in as a student and then you get married? How does that, what does that look like? Do you have to leave the university? Are you compensated by moving off campus? And you have to do those pros and cons because sometimes it is a little bit more affordable. But if you look at the overall picture of what you're getting by living in a university, living off campus sometimes costs more. Because when you live on campus, you have, again, tuition includes um, just tuition, right? But then there's these other fees, health care, counseling services, your internet, your Wi-Fi, your printing lab, your computer labs, the fitness center, security. You get, a, you get to join a dining meal plan. So all of those things are included when you live in a dorm. That's not necessarily the truth when you live off campus. When you live off campus, you have no, the university no longer has any jurisdiction of taking care of you and to ensure that you fulfill your um, academic um, goals. So there is no RA resident advisor. There is no one to like help. I mean, you could still come to the campus to get those, um, you know, counseling services or the like, but you have to commute, right? So now you're a commuter. And what does that look like? As a commuter, what, what are my benefits to attend this college, you know? But policies and procedures, eligibility requirements, and let's see. So let's say you do apply for a school, you get accepted, right? And now you, um, they give you the application for housing. And the application, you know, they tell you, oh, look at our website. We have all the dorms available, the amenities of the dorms, and blah, blah, blah. And again, you're looking at a website. I encourage everyone that if you're going to apply for a school, not only do you look at the website, but just search on YouTube. Videos of this university, the do's and don'ts, or um, this university dorms, whatever. You'll find videos. <laughs> You'll find plenty of videos that students themselves have made about the living conditions, what it looks like, the do's and don'ts, the pros and cons. You'll find videos. I encourage parents all the time, you know, they'll call and say, oh, what should I bring? What, what do I don't bring? Hey, look, check this out. Here's where you can find it on the website, but you, I would encourage you to always do research. Ask other students. I just work there. I don't know what it is to live there. 
And of course, I can't say, oh, you don't want to live here. <laughs> I can't say that, but that's not me to say that regardless. Because what's best for my child may not be best for yours. So that's really up to you, the student, if you're going to feel comfortable, if you're not going to feel comfortable. New York is a very fast-paced city. So that's another thing that you have to take in consideration. And transportation. How far do you want your child to be in case of an emergency? And will you get, because that, that was the rule in my house. We, we said two hours, two-hour drive. That's the, like the cutoff distance. Two-hour drive. If it's not within the, that, you're not going to go to California. It just didn't make any sense. And again, I'm glad that it worked that way because she is now in a position that she really wanted. Had she gone to the school that she really wanted to go to, I don't think it, um, it would have happened the way it happened. So I think that's important. So policies and procedures, make sure as a parent that you read the entire, whether it's a lease, a contract, or occupancy agreement, read it from the beginning to end. I'll give you another example, which I think I spoke about this before. Let's say you're all excited, family is extremely excited. Student is nervous. The student doesn't know, you know, what's going to happen. They don't know. This is something new. They're away from the house. Mom always did everything. I'm, I'm like, I don't, you know, the student doesn't know anything and or they feel. And some students are very confident. Some students, they know their stuff. They're, they're way ahead of their parents. <laughs> like, they're the ones who apply for the school. They're the ones who, look, Mom, just sign here. There are students like that. And that's okay. But um, you move them in, you kiss them goodbye, and three weeks later, they have to give you the bad news that they have to leave. They have to withdraw because they're not at the capacity that um, the university requires them to be to make it. What do you do? You got to pack all that stuff. You lose all your money that you submitted for that semester, and then you have to now go through what they call, um, uh, they'll, they'll say it's a medical leave of absence, but um, they'll put it that way so that you can um, go ahead, do what you need to do, maybe at another university, maybe at a community college, and then come back when, you're, when they feel that you're ready for the curriculum. Can you imagine you having to go back and pick up your, your student? And you were so worried about what you needed to do and what you, and you got the paper signed, you got the loans, and you got all of that. And two weeks later, they tell you, you're not going to make it. We know this, like, right now. And they do. The universities will know within three weeks if you're going to make it or not through the semester. Not only is that embarrassing for the student because that's how they feel, 
they feel like they disappointed the family, that they disappoint. So be very careful not to push your student to because you want them, you want the best for them always. But you have to be careful on how you um, bring, bring like, it should really be coming from them. This is the one that I want to go to. Okay, let's talk about that. Why do you want to go there? What do you think you're going to fulfill? Oh, some, some students know. Some students do know. They know what they want. They know what they're going to get at. And a lot of them are legacy. A lot of them are great-grandchildren because their great-grandfathers went to that school, and that's just a legacy within the, the family that everybody went to this school. <laughs> and some of those go there for free because of it. So that is awful. That is awful. And and it hurts me as an employee when I see it because I see the, the faces and we welcome them. You know, we, we're not, they're not our children. And that's what we have been taught, right? They're not our children. We just work there. We give them the tools and the, you know, what they need to do. But it's really up to them. It's not even up to the parents. All the parents do is signing their child and saying, hey, I promise that I'm going to pay the tuition, room and board, and all other fees assigned for this student. That's all the parent is doing. <laughs> As a parent, you don't even have the right to know your students' grades. You don't even have the right to know their phone number if they don't want to give it to you. So know that. So the relationship that you have with your child is so important because it's you they're not your property, one. <laughs> so you have to understand that this is how this system works. That if you're going to be paying just because you're paying doesn't mean that you have the control of what your child does and doesn't do. So you're, you're literally just signing your child away and paying someone else to do it. That's the sad part, right? So I, I do want you to think about what you're doing when you're putting your student into these academic environments and know that if you're from a small town and your child gets accepted to a New York City college you should you should at least visit that city a couple of times before you actually you should try to live here for a month the winter a month in the summer, a month in, like, for every season, you should try to live here for, because New York is not that little small town, and these students, if they're not, like, if they'll only see 3,000 people, and everybody knows each other, and I think I've mentioned this before, everybody knows each other, everybody went to the same high school, it's gonna be different. You're gonna, in New York, you'll have 10 different countries just in one block. 25 blocks is one mile. Within 25 blocks, you can have over 
let's say 35 countries. <laughs> that's that's the beautiful thing about New York that you meet people from all over the world in New York. Sometimes people think you're one thing and you're something else. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, wow, that's amazing. You're not Puerto Rican." No, I'm not. <laughs> but you speak Spanish and you speak it very well. Well, yeah, I was born in Brooklyn. So, and expose your children. Expose your children to, like, if you come to visit New York, don't just go to the tourist places. Go to Yankee Stadium and walk around the block. <laughs> just be safe, but walk around the block during the day, you know, whatever, and get to see how how people really live here. Because your your child, your student, is going to university to learn these things, right? You think. <laughs> no, they're there to learn how to create jobs, um, make their, their family, you know, continue to be wealthy, um, establish, you know, ideals and structures of capitalism. So, oh, we have some questions. Okay. I want to ask this Sister Chris's questions because uh, I know I usually, I get a little bit um, off track if I have people come up, but I really want to get the information out there. So, Sister Krista says, wow, I've never heard of family housing on college campuses. So, yes, there are colleges that if you ask because of the culture of, let's say, like I mentioned before, international students. If you have international students, they get married at 19 and 20, usually college age. That happens in many cultures. So... There may be colleges that I'm not going to announce it, but ask yourself, why? Why is that? I got married at 21. Why, why wasn't, why is that not available? What is it about family housing or family, like if, okay, let's say you're in grad school. Why wouldn't that be an option? And, and in, in this case, in this university, that is an option. For graduate students who are married, that's an option. You have the option to come in and live with your family. So undergraduate, I get it. But why, why wouldn't that be an option? You're over age. You're an adult, right? They consider you an adult because, you know, your parents are signing you away anyway. Your parents don't have the right to, to ask any questions about your grade. So why wouldn't you be eligible to have your husband? Or why don't you have a set building aside for that purpose? It, it was available when I started in 1990. So why is that not available now? So yeah, um, think about that. If you live, if, if your culture and your family unit is one where you um, promote marriages, right? You, that's something that your family structure, whether it be religion or not religion, or that's just your culture, 
why is that not an option for universities? Think about that. Um, that would be awful, especially if the child does not have parents with reliable transportation. That's absolutely right. So that was one of the things that um, the decision of my daughter not going to California for school, if I'm in New York, I we really ha we had two years of that conversation alone because she really wanted to go to California for school. So it took us two years having that conversation con consistently because that's that was not going to be enough. Like if there's an emergency, I need to know that. And, and I don't know if it has to do with um, September 11, where, you know, that was like she was in kindergarten when September 11 happened. So for me, I had to like bring that up again with her. Like, no. If, and look what happened with COVID. Look what happened with COVID. No flights, no transportation, shutdown. A complete shutdown. <laughs> At least in New York, everything was shut down. So could you imagine me not being able to go pick up my child or my child? How is she going to get from California to New York when there's no flights or nothing? So that's something to think about. So true. I don't like how they treat parents. I learned that from uh, my from my former college professors. Um, so in many universities, they've created a parent resource department because as parents, um, I do understand that you want the best for your child. You want to know, right? You want to know what's going on. <laughs> because if your child is not allowed to tell you and you're not allowed to find out, you know, maybe you know something about your child and how they think that can help you have the conversation about their grades, right? But that's not how this system works. They even made a law about it that universities are not allowed to have a conversation with someone other than the student themselves, no matter what it is, health, academics, or your living environment, anything. All the university can do is provide the links <laughs> on the website of where they can find the answers to their questions. When it comes to the individual student, you don't have that right. And that is awful, but that's why I'm saying to you, you should really have the conversation and you should really get to know your student when about college when they're in their middle school age, 12, 13, whatever. You should start having that conversation then and not wait until their junior year or senior year. As a matter of fact, you can even have it earlier if that's what's planned for the family. Start talking college to them at five. Go go to a college and, and go to the campus and tell them, hey, look, this is what it looks like. Look look at the students going back and forth. They're, they're 18. They're adults. But this is still what they have to do because they want to be doctors. They want to be lawyers, whatever. Take your children to a campus and show them at five, at four. People do that all the time. 
How can you be safe if you don't know anyone there? I travel a lot, Sister Crystal. <laughs> you know that. And what I do is I do my research. Before I go to a place, I actually Google travel. So you know how Google has like the little map and you can walk through the streets? That's what I do. I, I search. Okay, so when I went to Tokyo, Japan, before I went, I not only got the little video or audio thing to learn how to speak Japanese and to, I got that little translator, little pod thing. One. Two, you get to know the culture from that area. Just because Google or somebody says, don't visit there on your own. Danger, danger. I live in the Bronx. I live in the South Bronx. I've been here for a good, I lived in New York all my life. <laughs> so it doesn't, it doesn't um, take away, like you should travel, when you travel, this is how I travel. I travel like I'm from there because I've done enough research about the area and the places that I'm going to go see. I always look for two means of transportation in case of an emergency on my own. I don't depend on, on the hotel or resort to tell me that. And you always need to know where the embassy office is and how to get there from your hotel and resort in case of an emergency. So, Yeah, no, I, tra I do travel a lot. <laughs> I do travel a lot. So when I went to Paris, the same thing. I went with my daughters. I sat down with my daughters, and I was like, okay, because my youngest one, again, she's always wanted to move to Paris. She had a second-grade uh, teacher who was French. She taught them French and sign language, American Sign Language, and she was infatuated with this teacher and Paris. And she always told me, I'm moving to Paris. I want to go to Paris. I'm Paris, Paris, Paris. So we did eventually make a trip there um, when she graduated college. Um, I do. They're 26 and 30, my daughters. So I did my research. Top 10 things to do for free. How to get there. They have a subway system. Awesome. It can't be as bad as the one in New York. <laughs> So, you know, what are the pros and cons? What to do, what not to do? Don't walk like you don't walk like you don't know where you're going. Um, pretend like you live there. I mean, that's that's what I do. And make sure that you call your carrier from your phone to ensure that you have access to the internet in case of an emergency. Know where the embassy office is at. So the same thing with schools. If you're a student and you're going to do a study abroad program, know what, know what you're getting into. Know what kind of dorm you're going to live in over there. 
just because the school says it's, it's okay, that does not mean that it's all fine and dandy. You do your own due diligence and find out what's available to you, what accommodations are available to you, and how is the parent going to get to you in case of an emergency? Because you're now, go, you're now sending your child to go study abroad and you don't even know a little bit about that language. You don't know French. You don't know Italian. You don't know um, anything <laughs> about that country. No. You go before they go to do this global exchange program. You find out and do your research. And that's a conversation that you can have with your child in middle school. All right, let's just say you do go to college and you want to do political science major. Eventually, you're going to want to go and do a global exchange. What does that look like? Let's talk about it. All right. So look, the website for this university says that you can go to London or you can go to Paris and you can go to Ghana or somewhere in Africa, a country in Africa, Kenya, whatever. Let's look. What what? How, what does that look like? What does the crime rate look like there? How many people have come back learning something? Because it's not just enough to have the program and you're not really going to learn anything. What my, my daughters have learned more by traveling with me and going into these countries and really like going into the city and pretending we're living there than some global exchange program. I don't know. I really don't know what the overall purpose is of that, but I guess they want to do it because they know it's going to be safe. They know it's going to be um, part of their curriculum. They'll, they'll get credits and points for it. But also, as a parent and a student, you should do your research on what that's going to look like. The dorms there may be look more beautiful than the ones you are living here in the United States. Who knows? Or you, if it's in Paris, yeah, you're going to go up nine flights <laughs> because they don't have elevators in most of their buildings and a lot of their buildings are older and, um, what do you call that, landmarks where they cannot store them at all. So think about that. So you're... The pros and cons of living in a dorm or um, a residence hall or residence halls. The pros are, or do you want to do the cons first? <laughs> um, the pros are that you're close to your classmates, so you're going to live within buildings that are with people that you go to school with, you go to class with every day. So you're always going to have a roommate. You, you socialize with people that what you're all learning the same things, right? And to, to know that you're going to be matched with someone, let's say, from another country. Let's say I'm Dominican, right? I come from the Dominican Republic, and I'm going to be mixed with someone from Iran, right? Do you know how great that would be? And awesome. And a lot of students, American students, resist that. I don't know why, but they resist it. And I think that's that's not good. American students should be open 
to all kinds of people, but I'm not going to say a lot. I'm not going to say it happens a lot because I'm out there. But I do have to say that post-COVID, a lot of students wanted to live in single room apartments. And the ones that wanted to live in a double had a friend that they went to high school together. And I think that's a disservice. That deceives the whole purpose of going out to college. When you go to college, the purpose, and you're going to live in a dorm, which in some universities, you are required to live in a dorm. It's not an option. Unless you live down the block. <laughs> and they know and they know that. So that's not an option. So that's something you also have to look at. Does is my child have to live there? Yeah, you're required to live in the dorm. Why? Because that's part of the learning process. You want to get away from your community, right? So that you can learn about other communities, which is now this academic environment. The core curriculum for each school is different, but it maintains that founding educational role, right, for that community. So now you're part of that community because when you graduate and you become an alum, that's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be networking with everyone associated with that university. And you're going to be seeing them. And, and if you're taking political science, you're going to be seeing them in the political world. You're going to be seeing all these people later on, depending on you. And you should still be reconnecting. And I don't know why this doesn't happen, and maybe it does. They don't come back to talk to the newer generation. So for 32 years I've been there, I don't see that. I don't see that. Um, and maybe because where I'm at, at the level that I'm at, Maybe it does happen, and I hope it does. So, <laughs> you did not know what about Paris, <laughs> that they're weird. So one thing that I did learn about Paris is, yeah, oh, the stairs. Yeah, everything... Everything is uh, walkable, less drivable, and they have a great uh, public transportation system in Paris. They really do. Um, it's actually a little bit better than the one here in New York. So um, it's easy to navigate. You don't have to know the language. It's color-coded, just like in New York. In New York, they have... Um, yeah, that they have stairs in Paris. Yeah, everything is walkable in Paris. I mean, the the place that I stayed in had an elevator, but when we got out the elevator, we still had to take some stairs to get to our suite. So everything is small and petite in Paris. And the rooms are small. So, you know, that's just how life is. I know here in America, we think big, and that's why a lot of um, international folks love to purchase land and purchase, um, you know, homes. What about um, and purchase home because everything is huge. <laughs> um, you go to Hong Kong, you're living in like literally a walk-in closet. 
sorry, there's a lot of background noise. Um, too much going on. <laughs> Didn't mean to do it. But, um, so yeah, so make sure that you take the opportunity to have the conversations with your children. Um, if that's going to be an option, like, let's say, for instance, like, there's no... There's, there's just no saying no to going to college, right, for your student. Like, you already had the conversation, like, no, you're going to go, you know. Be mindful when you do that. Be very mindful. And if that's, that's something that the family already has decided because you saved enough money and you've been working hard to do it to make it happen, make sure that you have those conversations constantly. Not to the point where you're nagging them, but understanding your student to the point where, okay, that this is not what they want to do. They want to do something different. Where, where can we go with this based on what they want to do when they grow up? Because my oldest one was like that. My oldest one, she, it just I could tell that she just was not interested at all. And guess what? That's okay. But you have to have a plan. <laughs> you got to be doing something, right? So here I am with two different students that think differently, even though they were raised in the same household. They think differently. They function differently. Some of them got a lot from me, and some of them got a lot from me also, but in different ways. So, um, like my oldest, she's more of a hustler. She likes to work. She likes to do hands-on things. And my youngest one, she's really not into that. You know, and and she said it from the beginning. I'm out. <laughs> and she was not joking. Since she was in kindergarten, she says I'm gonna live like Oprah Winfrey, and I'm gonna have my dogs, and that's in. From the looks of it, that's what she's going for. She always said she wanted to go to Paris, and she made it happen. She begged me and begged me until I took her to Paris. <laughs> you know, so I am... Sorry. I'm so proud of them and the things that they think and... um one thing that I would say about our children is that only they can validate your parenthood. They are the only ones that can say, mom, you did a great job. Dad, you did an awesome job. And sometimes they don't say it, but they present it in a way with how you um, talk to them and how they talk to you. And you know, now they're adults and I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, my audio is much louder now. Who knows? I, I, I don't know what's going on. Is this better? Um, I must have had something going on, but I know you can hear me. Um, so with that said, um, what students' parents should know about dorms, residence halls, 
whatever people call it these days. I never know. I can't keep up. <laughs> but um, the policies and procedures. So post-COVID, a lot of things changed, right? So if you have your child or your student in a school... Okay, perfect. If you have your child in a school, right, and they're going to be living in the dorm, there's some, I don't know what to tell you, maybe because you're leaving me a message, I don't know. Um, there's some students um, who, post-COVID, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm responding to uh, messages being sent. But thank you, Sister Crystal, for hanging in there and supporting me. <laughs> thank you so much. I know um, you could come up here. I could have you come up. But I think... Um, okay. I think um, I, I could never... I don't know. Maybe I have H... What's that called? Attention disorder? Because I, I, if I have people interrupting me, I get off track on the conversation. And I guess that's the difference between me and... Because uh, I, I don't want to derail from giving you everything that I believe I want to share today. And mo part of the reason I'm sharing this today is because it's around midterms right now. And I could see the stress in the students. So I want parents to also keep that in mind that this is a very stressful time for students um and sometimes we're like well why haven't they called us and they call us every day and this is for first years because after a while parents eventually will get it you know like they'll have the like they already know the routine will change every year um it shouldn't change to the point where you don't um talk to your child at all for like months that's not normal and that shouldn't be if that's happening in your household that's something different and you really need to um try to find a way to maintain a connection with your children because even though you want to want to give them the independence that they desire and that they want um you know it, it's your family it's your family and, you know, they should be not, um, they should be grateful that you took the time and sacrifice to put them in a place where you know it's going to be better where you, from where you come from, you know. So I think um, sometimes as parents, we feel like, wow, I don't even get a call from this child. <laughs> let me call him. Let me call him. And you do most of the calling and, you know, and I tell students all the time, you have parents that call you every day. Aren't you lucky? Because there's some students that they've never had that. And they and they're supposed to do what they tell them to do. And but they don't have that love. They probably get more phone calls from their nanny or their person who took care of them, their caretaker than their parents. And I've seen that happen too, and that's that. So my point is, don't overdo it to the point where you're calling the school. I haven't heard from my child. 
Well, he's been sleeping for 16 hours because he spent 48 studying. So be patient with the student um, and make sure that you are aware of, you know, and if you feel that something is different and something is strange and they don't want to talk to you about it, that hurts, but eventually they'll come along. But if you see something that's different, because only you know your child, right? Um, if they have a sibling, and that's another thing. I'm so glad that my, my daughters have a relationship that I feel comfortable enough to know that if, okay, she doesn't want to talk to me, I know at least she's going to talk to her sister. Make sure that they have that connection too. Because it's so important for them to have a family member that they can talk to. As opposed to the roommate or the RA or the resident hall director or their counselor. Or, you know, they really should have someone in the family that they can go to with anything and everything. I think that's important. So pros, you have security. You have the amenities of internet, printing uh, labs, computer labs, um, 24-hour services. You know, like if they need toilet paper or they need something, it's there. Counseling services. These are the pros of living in a dorm. Counseling services. Um cable free cable free online newspapers the library is down the <laughs> two buildings down libraries open 24 hours um fitness centers what else student organizations where they meet and they can congregate and do their student stuff uh private study rooms music rooms practice rooms that's something that's important, especially if you're a music major. Um, sports. So you have transportation to the field. If like, let's say you're a football player or whatever, if you're living in a dorm, you have that availability. As a matter of fact, many students in athletics, they are required to live on dorm and not off campus. Because, you know, you're living with other students who have to wake up at five in the morning, four in the morning mm -hmm. to go practice. So I, I think that's the pros of living in a dorm. Um, you have your meal plan. So if you're first year, you're mandated to have a meal plan, not in all universities, but in some, sometimes you're mandated at least the first year. And why? Because most of the dorms are not equipped with full kitchens and most of the time, we all know 19-year-olds do not cook. 18, 17. We do have 17-year-olds also that come in at 17. So we all know that first years. So they're mandated into a meal plan. If you have dietary needs, that's accommodated. If you have special accommodations that are required, whether you're blind, you're deaf, hard of hearing, um, you need a service animal, that's something that the university has to comply with 
and or wheelchair or if you need ADA bathroom, private bathroom, private kitchen, those are the pros of living in the dorm because New York state law requires all universities who provide dorms that that they have to be in compliance. So my point exactly, why do you comply with all of those things? But being married and family, it's not, <laughs> I'm sorry, this is just a bad joke. But um, yeah, so uh, they don't necessarily have to accommodate religious um, culture and standards because, uh, but they do accommodate in most cases, if you're like a Sabbath observer, um, they will accommodate in putting you on a lower floor if you don't can't use the elevator or they'll accommodate your light switches to make a not motion sensor but an actual switch and they'll accommodate electronic locks into a key so that's something if you're a sav observer they will accommodate um because everything is electronic these days so it is what it is if you're halal or you serve if you have to like do prayers they do accommodate with locations for you to have that. So those are the pros. Those are the pros of living in a dorm. Um, if there's anything that's missing that you can't find on their website, call. Call because there's certain things that are not there that they do accommodate anyway. It's just something that's not, uh, you know, 85% asked, you know. No one ever asks if I have a baby, can my baby come in, <laughs> you know, because it's assumed that, no, it's not an accommodation. But if you don't ask, how would you ever know? How would you ever know if you don't ask? So, but those are the things to look for. So that list of pros can be more. Um, but for now, that's pretty much what I can think of. Now the con, oh, and the pros is that your billing for everything is included in your tuition bill in some cases. In other cases that depending on the status that you have with the university, that may not be the case. But in this case, um, your room and board and your health services uh, yeah, and that's another thing. You have uh, 24-hour health services. So there's a place right there in the dorm where you can go if you feel sick. Right now, post-COVID, you can call a doctor anytime or a counselor anytime, make an appointment, and that's available for you. If you live off campus, that may not be available for you. You may have noise living off campus. Now you can't study. And that's probably the cons. <laughs> I'll give you the cons um, in a minute. But those are the things to look for um, for the pros, right? So let's do the, the cons now. So the cons, the cons now is um, you're probably restricted and limited depending on your special needs accommodations. So if you have a student that requires like, special accommodations like let's say they have autism right and it really requires them to have like a structure or you know how um 
I don't know how they do it with, I don't know how some parents do it, but um, there are different levels, right? But if you have a student with autism that requires like a specific, um, that may be limited and there's just nothing that's gonna make your student happy and feel at home. So that's the limit right there. So like, if you have a student that has a special need that requires the environment to be similar to that of their original home, then that's something that you have to look into to make sure, and again, I'm not a professional. I'm not saying this is something you should do. I'm just saying these are the things to think about. So if you have a 10-year-old who who is special needs, you and you want your child to go to college because that is that is possible. There's no way that people can tell me no, my child can no, they can. They can, but you again, you know your child and you know what's best for them. So just so you know, um, put them in a smaller college. Don't put them in a New York state college where, you know, it's a lot of people, a lot. <laughs> so, and it could be overwhelming, but it's, it's sometimes good to put them out there and make sure you connect with them and you understand how, how they move and they know how you move. <laughs> so, but just as a parent, you should know that the university is not going to talk to you. Once you sign the dotted line and your child, your student is 18 and over, it's it's all on them. They have to make the, the calls. They have to make the, the adjustments. They're the ones who have to make it happen. And you're just going to be there to guide them and to help them and to know that you support them 100%, but you can't be mean about it either because the people who take the phone calls are not the ones making the decisions and they're not the professionals who can answer the questions that you're asking. You as a parent have to take that to a higher level. So the cons, again, is that the the space may be limited to your needs the cons can also be that um it can be costly to some people sometimes the cost the room and board is more than the tuition and that's because it's run as a business these days it's not run as a academic institution and you know we're here to learn. No, it's it's pretty much run as a business for your student to learn how to run a business <laughs> or work for a business. So that's another con, the cost. So think about, again, think about transportation. Think about emergency purposes like COVID or September 11. Think about those things. How far do you want your child to be in a school? I don't know how California students do it with parents where in Arizona, the West Coast students, I don't know how they must have really good money because right now a flight that used to cost 140 round trip is close to $400 round trip now. 
So find out if there are um, points, student points, student um, uh, credits or tax stuff, you know, tax for traveling. Find out um, if you travel as a group from the West Coast and you're all going to the same place, see if you can get a group discount where you're all going to do those. But those, the cons are that like um, you're restricted to many things that your student may want to do, like having guests or having parties or having, you know, and, and that's okay. It's okay to have a party. You know, some of them take it to the extreme. But, you know, if, if you really want them to be independent, let them learn the hard way. Um, the cons also could be that uh, they just may not feel comfortable because the assignments after your first year is run like um, a lottery system. So your child student may end up with the worst lottery number every year. And then they get stuck in the same building or in the, in the building that's not, you know, really where they wanted to live with their friends. And another con is your student is so excited to live with their friend that they went to high school with <laughs> all four years of high school. And then when they are living together, uh shit happens right that summer all of a sudden something changed she doesn't like me anymore she's she's acting weird she's or, or he or whatever so don't have have that conversation with your student because many times they should really just be focusing on them not their friend not who they're going to live with they really should be focusing on them. And I know that they're excited to be somewhere away from you. <laughs> really away from you. Um, and they can do and they're free and they can do. And, and maybe that's how they live their life, you know, their high school or at home, right? Where you gave them the freedom to do the, what they wanted to do anyway, right? But they, they stay in their comfort zone and they don't get out of it. For all four years, that's not, uh, in my opinion, that deceives the whole purpose of you going to college. It's okay to maintain yourself with the circle that you always are, no, you know, that you know and you feel comfortable in. But it's always good to know the other circles too. Just go into other bubbles because you never know what you're going to learn. You're never going to know how it feels to be this other person, you know. Be comfortable enough where you can do that, where you can actually be like, "Wow, I didn't know this. I did not know that, you know, this is all what Muslim is about. Like, what? Wow, this is amazing." And the Muslim student says to the other student, wow, you living a Muslim life and you're not even Muslim. <laughs> Could you imagine the possibilities and the things that we learn? And that's what living in a dorm should do for your student. 
to engage with other people from all over the world that think differently, see life differently, but their their purpose is to make it better for their generation, right? Ultimately, that's what you, as a parent, that's what you want, right? You want your child to learn the tools and, and the skills and the knowledge and the history that is required to make the world now a better place. I don't know if that necessarily is true, um, but for them, I guess it is, you know? When I started there in 1990, you know, it is not the way it is today. <laughs> um, my job is not easier. And although I've, I've never done the same thing for 32 years, I can see how it's evolved. And we're so far behind compared to other universities all over the world. We are far behind in the United States way far behind there are things that students are learning in other countries that i'm like wow so so sad usa and you know it's encouraging and uplifting to see how students from other universities who are learning these other things that we're not here are so urging to just want to come here to get that social life the happy life, the life that we can do whatever we want, thought and theory, right? Here in the United States. You know how much students from other universities internationally just want to come here just to get that taste of, wow, I can say that? Wow, no one's going to judge me? Wow, I can, I can say that about the president and not get killed? Because <laughs> that's exactly what how they feel when i went to japan and i went to um uh, tokyo uh, disney you should see these kids they come out of school in their bikes because you could take uh the bikes at, or train to tokyo disney and you should see their faces they are head to toe into mickey or meanie they love it because it's the opportunity for them to get away from not their culture per se, but to do something fun and to do something different. Where here we take it as, we may take it as the same way, like Disney is a fun place to be and the dream, but we live in it. <laughs> we live in, in the USA. So we know, most of us know how hard it is to make it here. And, and what the things that we have to do within a system that restricts a lot of us from go, getting ahead, right? But you should see their faces in Tokyo Disney, how they embrace that American thing, you know, that I guess the Disney world. And that was Disney's purpose, right? That's what he wanted. He wanted every child to feel like I'm in another world. And who knows, if you've been to Disney, you already know that one ride <laughs> and they duplicated it exactly. Like everything is like, you don't even have to go to Disney World. You could just go to Tokyo Disney and experience the Disney that I experienced when I was 10. 
right? So the that ride, the the what's that ride called? It's a small world. Everybody knows that. If you've been to Disney, you know it's a small world. It's the ride that you have to take your children in, and everybody knows that you're in this boat showing you all the countries with all their cultures, with their music, but they're all singing It's a Small World. That's the pro of living in a residence hall in a university that you get to meet. It's a small world <laughs> within one location. Just within our buildings, we have 7,000 residents, right? There are people that come into this university that 7,000 is a small number based on their density of their country. And 7,000 can be a lot for other people and their communities. So picture that 7,000 living individuals, students who live within dorms. And I'm not saying it's 7,000 within one building. This is across, you know, a mile, let's say, let's say a mile. That's a beautiful thing. And post-COVID, I don't know what happened in those two years, um, what happened to parents, what happened to the environment or what it is, but it's not the same. It's not the same. And I think they want to normalize it again, how it was before, that it should be fun. Going to college should be fun. It's just not serious all the time. You know, but there's a lot of students that take it very serious um, because their parents sacrifice a lot of money and time to put them there. And for those who go in with the legacy where, you know, it doesn't cost them a dime to go there. Not a penny because their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents went there and they sacrifice what they had to sacrifice for what we call today the generational wealth. So those are the ones who usually get to party and get to do things and um, live free because they already know. Hey, my yeah, I went to Nana's house and all the pictures of her college years are up in her in her house. And these are the degrees she got. And she's been a doctor. And my grandfather was a lawyer. You know, like those are the things that's different and um that's what we want for our children but again um the cons of living off campus is that you don't have that security you may not have that that dining meal <laughs> like you have to cook in a shared kitchen where your roommates there don't want to clean they don't want to have things nice and fresh they just want to party all the time that's a con of living off campus. You're, you're going to have to pay for your internet. You're going to have to pay for uh, your printing, whatever, because you're now living two miles away or two boroughs away. So your assignment, as usual, I leave an assignment. Your assignment for today is to take time with your student or if you know a neighbor, or if, even if you as an adult, you want to go back to school. And the only program that's available for you, you have to live in the dorm. Because uh, um, like, let's say you want to take social work. 
there are social work programs the majority of them you have to do like you have to be there on the field and work so you can't have like a full-time job and do that um so those are the things to look for um, make sure that you have the conversation with your children student godchild niece nephew hey what you know have you been thinking about like do they even talk to you about colleges um and again that's not an option for a lot of people because a lot of people will prefer to have the conversation with the child with their passion and what they want to do and make it a business so the money that you're going to spend on either taking loans or paying for a college tuition you can take that money and invest it and build a business build a family business whatever that is a barber shop or hair salon beauty products whatever it is restaurant dominicans are notorious for restaurant family business because we had to cook all together for the holidays <laughs> and that takes a lot of time and they're like whoa your stuff tastes good yeah well let's start selling it okay let's just open up a restaurant or catering business and you will see the things that you learn and you can take certificate programs that don't require a, a four-year degree with paying eighty thousand dollars a year because that's what tuition is at this point eighty thousand around that around that and that's including everything room board health care fees like if you look at the bill tuition is like five thousand seven thousand right or whatever fourteen thousand let's say right and everything else is twenty five to thirty thousand a year a semester or, or a year depending on where you're going it's a lot of money <laughs> so like i said to me it's more not of a nonprofit if it's private but a profit and if it's a state you know some states have free college tuition new york state that's another thing that i lobbied for we lobbied for for years and they kept telling us no that that doesn't look right and then the tax and blah 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 dudes it was free before you started charging so what's the problem so just so you know it is free the tuition but you have end up paying for all the other fees computer lab fees language fees book fees um whatever supply like they'll just even make stuff up to put it in there on the bill So think about those things. Oh, another thing that I wanted to mention, if you have a child or if you're gonna have them living in the dorm, um, insurance. Insurance is very much recommended. For example, if, if you, <laughs> there's so many things I wanna bring up at, at one time, but it's complicated. So you live in California. I'm already telling you, wow, <laughs> as a parent, that's a long way. What are you bringing? Well, we're thinking of bringing the essentials and blah, blah. And then you come with a U-Haul truck for 98 square footage room. That's ridiculous and insane. Because no matter how much you want to make it your home, it's just not, that's not your home. It's not. 
and things are subject to change and things can happen. Just because it has a white wall doesn't mean that you live like in an institution, <laughs> if you will. It's not yours. It's not. So be mindful of the things that you're bringing in. And if you're going to bring expensive stuff, which you shouldn't, I don't recommend it at all. You should not have your grandmother's brooch. You should not have your grandmother's clock. You should not, that's worth like millions or, or that is dear to your heart. You shouldn't bring anything that's dear to your heart to a dorm. And everything else, like your computer, which is very important to have, right? Your laptops and all your electronics, get it insured. If a lot of people don't know this, but if you have home insurance, auto insurance, call that carrier and say, even if you live in another state and say, hey, I want to insure my student's laptop. They're going to this school in another state. How much is that going to cost me? Oh, well, New York is going to cost you an arm and a leg. It's going to cost you more than getting a new one. But guess what? Your student has all their information on this laptop. That's worth more than, to me, than the insurance. However, um, make sure your student, they, they'll know. The students know how to back up their stuff. That's 100% known because it's happened where they've lost everything and they've just like gone berserk because they lost. So that doesn't happen often. But when it comes to, um, let's say there's a leak or a flood and everything gets damaged in your child's room <laughs> or student's room, um, what are you going to do? So... Make sure that you have apartments insurance or you contact your current home insurance, your auto insurance, whatever insurance you do have, and say, hey, this is what's happening. How can I include these items, jewelry, whatever, into the insurance for my student because they're going to be traveling because they're not living per se in New York, they're just gonna be there for this amount of time. And we wanna make sure that it's insured. And a lot of insurances will not, will tell you no, you, your son or daughter need to go to New York and find an insurance in New York. No, you call them back and tell them, I'm not insuring their space over there. I'm insuring their item that's portable. It's a portable item that's from this home. <laughs> it's leaving this home where I pay insurance. I want to include this specifically, whether that be separate and you pay a, an additional amount, then ask those questions because these insurances think they slick. They don't want to cover that stuff because they know that if your son comes to New York, there is a possibility that it can get lost. There is a possibility that it can get stolen. There is a possibility. So please, 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 no matter where you are, doesn't have to be New York. If you have a student currently in college, find out 
what insurance, what your insurance covers currently for them. Because there's nothing worse than a student not having a laptop. They, they, it's, or, or mobile phone, your mobile phone. You know, it's, it's very important that they have that. All right. Sister Crystal says not everyone has family. And that was based on the conversation about, you know, students who may be going through something. And this is around the time that uh, the holidays. And yes, you're right. There's a lot of students. And that's why I always work the holidays. I don't celebrate um, Thanksgiving and I don't celebrate Christmas. Not because I'm a bah humba person. But because throughout the years, I've learned that we live in a system and in a country that is so caught up with the BS that we're not even taking time to understand other people who don't celebrate these holidays. And we don't take the time to engage with others who are lonely, you know? So I made a decision once my kids, you know, were older enough to have them go to their father's family for Thanksgiving. And I stay at the university and work the holidays. So because the university is still open, we're never closed. That's another thing you should uh, think about are they open for winter break? Are they open for the holidays? Do we need to bring everything out of the dorms during winter break and come back? Which I think they should, um, but no. <laughs> uh, your contractual agreement, depending on the status that you have at any university, look at that contractual agreement because a lot of universities, you do have to leave for winter break because they close it out. They shut it down. But because in the environment that I work in, we have a lot of international students who don't celebrate Thanksgiving and who don't have family here. And it's very costly for them to go home and come back. They do have events for them to, you know, maintain and stay in the university and, and in their dorms um, during that time. And they'll they'll find things to do. They'll They'll do things in New York and they'll engage. So yeah, not a lot of students have that family support and and you're absolutely right there there's just not so um when it comes to the administration it's not our responsibility to be fulfill that part for the student but at least on my end i'm not a i'm not a dean i'm not a resident hall director, but I have worked there for 32 years. And I think students engage more and like the realness of the custodial person, the mechanic, the dining hall lady, the security guard. Students engage more with them on a constant basis than they do with their professors and their deans. And a lot of the times, <clears throat> I respect that 
because they don't see us as the custodial or the security guard or, oh, that's just another person giving me a hard time. They see us as human beings who are there to support them and and to protect them, you know? We actually, the, and I'm not going to say the lower level positions because that's not true, um, but the people who are in like support staff level, we actually care more, believe it or not, because everybody else has to function within the policies and procedures and the guidelines. We function through those things, but we are there too with them 100%. So we also, just like we want them, us to be protected, we want them to be protected as well. So we do care. So when you call some of these offices and you get a rude person who picks up the phone, be mindful of that. Be mindful that not everybody is like that. You know, and and there are professionals who know how to respond. And then there are just the support staff who's just really there to, to have you say what you want to say regarding of the issue at hand, but please understand that they're not the ones who make the rules and the policies and you're not paying them the $80,000 that you're paying for your student. It's That money doesn't go directly to that person that you're calling. Granted, you're absolutely right. As a parent paying $80,000, you demand respect. You demand, and, and that should be, but don't take it out on the person who's actually being the support staff and just picking up the phone call. Because if you are aware, like I am aware, there's very few universities or businesses where you can actually get a live person to even talk to. We all know that. And even if you want to wait for a live person, they're going to make you wait two hours, three hours, just because. And then even then, when someone picks up, well, didn't you read their website? The website said X, Y, and Z. So why are you calling me? Because you want to hear it like Sister Crystal says, the words that are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> um, this is great information because many students are first-generation students. Absolutely. Therefore, some parents are not able to prepare their children for college. Absolutely. I had to learn everything the hard way with my kids. Even when I worked at a university, there was many things that because of the position that I have that I don't know. Like I know more of the residential side and stuff like that, but I don't really know a lot about the building side. I don't really, I only know the building side because I create and create charges, but um it wasn't until my daughter went to college that I'm like, whoof, or myself. When I went to college as an adult while working, I was like, what do you mean this extra fee? What is this techno technological fee? I work for university. Why are you even charging me a technological fee when I can use my own internet? I have my own internet. And they had to take that out. They had to take that health fee out because I'm an adult student. I'm not the typical traditional undergraduate uh, student who leaves straight out of college. So yeah, those fees are very important for you to look at that bill. 
And I learned from the Asians and people of different cultures, when they will call and say, what is this $10 bill? I'm like, damn, $10. You just got charged $100,000. You're complaining about $10? Well, that's how I learned. Yes, look at the bill. And if there's a discrepancy, you better figure it out and explain it to them. And you had to explain it to them. And if it wasn't to their satisfaction, you had to remove it. You have to remove it. And that's how you look at things. Don't just sign at the dotted line and be like, okay, now I got to figure out how to pay this loan. Mm. Wow. Whew. But it's my child and I love them and I got to sacrifice and whatever I got to do, clean toilets, whatever, I'm going to do it because that's what I want for my child. You can't think like that all the time. You have to be very mindful. And if you have to take that gap year to, to refocus and let your student think and be ready because they have to be ready you have that option too as a student you have that option and students should take college seriously while having fun sometimes because you have a limited amount of time to do the right thing absolutely um I know, I know my daughter, my daughter was the, the one who eventually went to college. Um, she's, she was like, I never saw her study. And it was weird. Cause I was like, don't you have like, aren't you supposed to have like six hours of studies a day? She's like, that's not, no. <laughs> and I'm looking at her like, wait, what? She's like, no, I either get it or I don't. I go to class, I get it, or I don't. That's what she told me. And I'm looking at her like, what? Okay. Now, she was. it wasn't like she was a party person, per se. But, you know, that was just something that I really, I knew and had the confidence that I was a parent that gave them examples of how we should carry ourselves to where I knew that I was okay. I was gonna be okay with them going to college and not acting irresponsibly. So, you know, when they're kids, you have to give them freedom. You have to like explain to them why you do what you do. And it's not just to say, well, I'm drinking wine because I'm an adult and I can. No, <laughs> you have to really explain it to them why you're drinking that glass of wine and how dangerous it can be if you get caught up in having it make you feel better where you're drinking not just one bottle, two bottles, three bottles, four bottles, five bottles a week. You know, so... You have to be straight up with your student because you're going to learn a lot about yourself too. She took psychology and that annoyed me a little bit because she, she would come sometimes like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You know, like she would really like, well, why are you so upset? You know what I hear you saying? And it's like, oh God, really? Is this what I've created? <laughs> a therapist but she's gonna be great she's gonna be great she has the position that's gonna allow her to 
do the things that she has been dying to do for years, which is to go now and get her master's for free because the position that she has now will pay for it. So I am so proud of her. But again, as parents, um, neighbors, godparents, siblings, we want to, I want to let you know that you should really be having, if that's going to be an option for your family, really have the conversation early. Do the pros and cons about the costs, the the environment that they're going to be in, why that major. And don't look at it as, well, if you're going to take that major, why are you just, what kind of job are you going to have with that? Because a lot of people said that about me. Well, urban studies and labor? What kind of job? What? Salty coffee. Come on now. (laughs) And there was a purpose to my madness. But I had the ability to go to college as an adult and didn't have to pay a dime. And you're damn right. I'm going to take that advantage of learning something, learning and having the experience. Cause to me, this was, this is the weird part. Like I was like, no, there's no way I'm going to have one of my daughters get a degree before me. (laughs) I know that's horrible to say, but it happened. You know, I made it, it took me six years because granted I was working, you know, full time and raising them. But I said it to myself, I have to take this opportunity that there is an opportunity for me to do this without paying a dime. All I have to do is just get good grades and leaving out of it with a 3.7 GPA. With one of the hardest majors, urban, urban and labor studies. Those aren't easy because with those two majors you're learning about what it takes to live in your neighborhood and what changes you can make and how to make it better so it was sad the things that i learned it still kills me because even after i learned it if you don't apply it and you don't understand it fuck (laughs) It's, it's really bad that, that you're so eager to bring it back to your communities and your, your neighbors, and they're so caught up with the, I have to work, I don't have time, I have to work, I don't have time. When will you find time to invest on yourself? When? And what does that take? You can't sit here at 50 and tell me you've never traveled anywhere. There's just no way. When people want to do something, they will do it. Because a lot of people are really quick to go to that happy hour party they were invited to. Oh, yeah, down for that. People are really quick 
to be like, oh, we smoked it tonight? Come on, let's do it. Not for that. Always. But when it comes to investing on themselves, I'll, I'll give you another assignment because the assignment from before, I don't know how I got derailed, but I'll give you another assignment. The first assignment is if you know someone or your child or you yourself are a student, do the pros and cons before you get into something that you may not be able to uh, complete and fulfill 100% and you're going to lose on the money. Think it out. Do the pros and cons. How much is it going to cost me? Is it really worth living with other people that I don't feel comfortable living around with? Am I going to be restricted and limited from the things I want to do? Is it a dry campus? Are people allowed to drink? Will I be having other students with my student smoking and drinking? Uh, Yeah. Don't fall behind on that one. Do I have to pay extra for this? Do I have to pay extra for that? And what happens in case of an emergency? Will I have time to go to my student to go help them, to go protect them, to go um, give them a hug? Will I be able to deliver a cake for their birthday at their dorm? No, you can't. What? <laughs> you heard me. You heard me. For security purposes, we do not accept deliveries at the dorms. So you're limited at that. Can you bring it? Right now, yeah. But when it was COVID, no. <laughs> Can you imagine? What a life. But that's the assignment. And I totally forgot what I was talking about after that. But if anyone can just send me a message to remind me what I was really talking about. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, that whole cake thing is is amazing to me. Flowers and cake. What do you mean I can't deliver flowers? No, you can't. You can, but it's going to go to the mail center, which may sit there forever. Because your student gets 500 emails a day on all other stuff. And there's that one email from the mail center that they got later on. <laughs> Hello, 45, 47, Matt, Kelly, Orange, Mojo, Carr. <laughs> I can't pronounce the first name. Angela. Cecilia, Grace, how are you? Chan, Devron, Ray Davis, Sarah, Carletta, how are you? I I saw that you were on earlier and I was trying to get in, but I was so busy. Janelle, how are you? Deborah, Andrea. I can't pronounce the name, but shalom to you. Mr. Ronald Smith, hello, my love. How are you? Daniel, Philip, Ismael, Taryn, David, Chep, Y2, Utopia, Matthew, Casey, Terry, Miss Queenie, Hola, Dr. Rao, Dr. Robert James, hello, how are you? Christopher, Andrew Johnson, Brooke, Sandy, 
Salinas, Richard, Curdy J, hello. We just need that bowl right now. Boo. Billy D's, Mark, Childs, Jermaine Farmer Bay, Marcela, Daryl, Dave, Shamanaya, Ya. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Sorry. I apologize. Ariane and Sister Crystal and Robert. Sister Crystal, thank you so much for sending your um, comments. And what I'm going to do is now I'm going to, because I totally forgot what I was getting at. And this is why I, I don't, I can't do the, you know, as the thing. Um, but I am going to open it up. And whoever has any questions, feel free to ask them now um, while I'm here. Some of them I may be able to answer, some of them I know. Okay. So was I supposed to only do that in the beginning or? <laughs> I don't know how this works. Okay, I guess not. But, um... If someone can remind me what I was um, going to say before I said what I said, <laughs> I will appreciate it. This is horrible. Well, this is what happens when it's an open talk. Um, and this is why I think um, my talks are usually structured because I just, I get derailed and you know, if people sending me messages and stuff like that with questions, I get a little bit off track. But let me see if I see her, because I think she. And I think shouldn't should should take college seriously while having fun, sometimes because you have a limited amount of time. Um, fees on top of fees, <laughs> Sister mm -hmm. Crystal. Um, yeah, so assignments, um, if you know someone, if you missed the first um, hour of this talk, please make sure you replay um, the information provided is related to pros and cons, the policies and procedures of living in the dorms or residence halls, as some of them call it. And I think uh, having conversations with your student about what it is that they want to do um, at an early age. Um, it's okay. It's okay to ask them, what do you want to, I mean, they, we celebrate Halloween and we put costumes on them and they're like, oh, I want to be a cop. I want to, you know, have those conversations with them. You want to be a cop? Let's see what we can do if you are a person who goes to college and work in law enforcement. And you won't have to be a cop. You could be a, a sergeant. You could be a marshal. Um, there's so many options out there um, that don't require a degree that you can um, get into the field without having to, you know, spend all that money. You can be a security guard, right, for two or three or four years and then go have the unions that you work for pay for your tuition so that you can become a lieutenant or a captain. 
I mean, these are ways and other ways of people to not have to have stress about how am I going to pay for this? This is what my student wants. Have that conversation. You know, um, you could be a custodial worker, be in a union, get benefits, get benefits and work um, for 10 years. You have a retirement plan. You have benefits for student tuition for free. And then you go to college and you do what you have to do moving forward. But you have to be quick about it. You can't just sit there and complain and and fuss and just do it. <laughs> just do it. The benefits are there. And shame on you if you work at a place with all these benefits and you're not taking advantage of it. Take advantage of every resource you have available to you because other people are telling you this is how you can become rich in 10 ways and if you pay me $500 I'm going to tell you those 10 ways meanwhile the custodial person has free tuition 25 vacation days free health care and and Sorry about that. So we have a message from Dr. Robert. My great niece is in Arkansas and she wants to go to college here in Reno, Nevada. So I live and she wants to be a CSI person. The part that the operating room size scientist and I will invite Jalaya to wisdom and listen to one of your talks about going to college and what you think about going to college or want to do. Thank you so much. Um, yes, please invite her. Um, so the only uh, talks that I can have is what to look for as far as, you know, the accommodations within the schools. Um, earlier, I spoke about, you know, why is it that undergraduate, in most cases, a lot of colleges do not have family accommodations for room, you know, like for dorm. Um, when I started working in 1990, they had family because a lot of international students, as you know, they marry young and they have children young. So I, I maybe I should do research on that, on why and when did that change and why? Why did it change? Why is it that we're so caught up with people not um encouraging people to get married and and we know what that's all about some of us but um i'm i'm trying to 
to help those who may potentially end up getting married while in college for whatever reason or want to get married and aren't aren't able to fulfill their dream of going to college because they're married (laughs) you know like what's that all about that should be an accommodation to anyone right anyone who wants to get married um but yeah so feel free to contact me at www.saltycoffeepodcast.com if you have any questions related to what should you look for, um, what things to identify on your bill, what questions to ask um, when you want to go to a college and you're going to have to live there? Is it required? Can you live off campus? Will your financial aid package, what does that look like? When you have a meeting with your financial aid advisor, make sure you have your accountant that does your parents' taxes with you so that that person can ask those questions too, based on your salary, based on how you're going to go into this university. How does that work? You know, because they say free tuition in New York State, but then you don't get the the credit at the end of the year with the taxes and you're paying for all this other stuff. Because guess what? Um, The only tax credit that you can obtain is for the tuition, not for the other fees, (laughs) unless you really know how to play it. So those are the things that I suggest and really because there's so many people that have their masters and everything and they just went through the process and not one time did they even look at a bill because their parents did it for them ain't that a, ain't that something there are people out here with phds who never looked at a bill so they wouldn't even know they wouldn't even know what it is to pay eighty thousand dollars a year that's almost 400 when you graduate. They wouldn't even know. At all because either legacy or they got a full, I mean, those that got full scholarships, they know, they look at the bill. But there's a lot of students out there that don't even know what it costs right now. And those are the ones that are having fun and doing their thing and making sure that they get good grades and that's all they're expected to do while there's a lot of them who have to do work study have to help their parent or their head of household hello so the assignment again is for you that if you have a student or a neighbor a friend who has a child who's going to college, start having the conversation early, as early as possible. Do your research. Go to the place, not during college tour, your junior year or your freshman year. Do it you and your student now. Identify what the student wants to do. What is their passion? Maybe they don't want to go to college. 